Good morning. In the name of God, the creator, the author, and illustrator of the world. Amen. Some of you know my son. He just turned five, and up until about six months ago, his favorite color was yellow. But recently, he declared his favorite color was pink. Well, pink and yellow, mommy. So my mother, being the wise grandmother that she is, sent over a box of iced sugar cookies. One was pink and two were yellow. Well, when I grabbed the pink one to give to him, I accidentally broke it. The only pink cookie in the box. I told him to not fret because there were two other intact cookies. In fact, his favorite color, yellow. That did not go well. He had a total meltdown, so much so that not only he told me that his favorite color was no longer yellow, but that he could no longer see any colors. Through his sobs, he said, Mommy, all the colors have disappeared and I can't find them. As the pitiful meltdown continued for quite some time, he sobbed more, and then I could tell something had shifted. And then he wailed and he said, Mommy, I can't even remember what my favorite colors look like anymore. It was so pitiful. Colors are important to him. So now, I want you to think of a color. Think of your favorite color. I want you to close your eyes and to picture it in your mind. Go ahead, I'll give you a minute. You see it? Now, can you describe it? And can you describe it without using other colors? You may not be able to easily describe it, but you know it when you see it. This then is what I see as the challenge of describing the kingdom of heaven. Continuing his last two Sunday sermons, Jesus again today presents us with five more pithy parables that all start with the kingdom of heaven is like. And as we know, parables are super easy to understand, right? A great southern phrase always comes to mind when I think of them. They are clear as mud. I have spent much of my life trying to understand the Bible in order to be right. And by that I mean to do right. Because if I can just understand the exact meaning of a particular passage, then I will know the rules. And thus, God will have to keep up God's end of the bargain, right? That right there is what we call an effort to control Seeking answers to these parables is not the posture in which we should begin. And really, to confound matters more, the answer is the parable. We are here to learn something about something new about the nature and character of God. But we are going to have to get comfortable with leaning into that mystery and not knowing the answer, because knowing and understanding are two different things. C.H. Dodd, the preeminent scholar on parables, says that they are designed to engage its hearers and prompt some reaction and tease the mind into active thought. Well, we're on the right path. When I say kingdom of heaven, what comes to mind? A royal palace? A tyrannical government? A celestial home? One of our great challenges is to not think of the kingdom of heaven as a place, but rather a space. I read a great exposition that says the kingdom of heaven is more akin to a verb than a noun. 
The kingdom of heaven can be thought of as the reign of God. It's an action. Mary Ann Getty, another scholar, says, God's reign happens where God's will is fulfilled. I like that. We mean this when we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The kingdom of heaven is not a future event, but rather it is here and it is now. And it's growing. But the fullness of God's kingdom is not yet realized. And this brings us to the great theological paradox of already, but not yet. You can take ten random commentaries on these parables, and you will be presented with ten different interpretations. And there is no one right answer. There might be a few wrong ones. But we will see if we can tease our mind into active thought and see what we can learn about the nature of the kingdom of heaven from today's stories. In verse 31, he starts out with the parable of the mustard seed. It's the tiniest of seeds that turns into a large shrub where birds will make their home. And isn't that just like Jesus to use a shrub rather than, say, one of the great cedars of Lebanon? But I digress. One reasonable takeaway, then, is that great things will come from even modest beginnings. Next, we have the leaven hidden into the bread. Often, this is translated as mixed in two, but hidden is the more accurate word. The woman hides it in three measures of flour. How much is three measures of flour? I didn't know either, but it sounded important. And I found out that it's a lot, like enough to feed over a hundred people with that one loaf of bread. Is this another example of how a little can make a lot? Sure. Or it could be that the reign of God may flourish from hidden or unexpected ways. And, like the growth of the shrub, it will take time. In the next three parables, starting in verse 44, we have a man that has found a treasure in a field. He puts it back, and then because of his joy, he goes and buys the entire field. Some scholars say that we're the treasure and that Jesus gave his life in order to purchase the whole field, in order to have us. Others may want to question the ethics of this man, and you and I can talk about that later. And then we have the merchant who is searching for fine pearls, and then he sees one that is more beautiful than all the others, so he sells everything to buy it. This could be speaking to the cost of discipleship. When we see our beautiful pearl, Will we, the one that we are searching for, will be, we be willing to give up everything to have it? And finally, the kingdom is like a dragnet. All manner of fish were caught up in one net, scooped up behind that boat. They eventually become sorted and evaluated, but I don't think that that should be the focus of this parable when all too often it is. Am I a good fish? Is she a good fish? I know he is not a good fish. How do I know who is good and who is bad? Well, we're not sure. But what we are sure of is that we are all in this together. This is much like what Hannah spoke of last week when describing the parable of the wheat and the weeds. The kingdom of heaven is universal. We are all tied up in this story together. 
I briefly summarize these parables to show that though they have individual value, I see a bigger picture here. What I see is that the kingdom of heaven is too varied and diverse to adequately be captured with just one image or one story. We need all of Jesus' parables in order to better see the indescribable colors that collectively make up the kingdom. And here's the real gem. Not only do we have a richly illustrated kingdom of heaven, but it is presented in such common tasks while Jesus is indiscriminately speaking to different groups of people. Jesus was being subversive again by including everyone. By putting each of them into these parables, he's inviting them into this event. Jesus reaches someone differently with each story. An example that I can give is that you can tell me a football analogy, and I'm going to nod along, and it's going to really resonate with that time that I binge-watched Friday Night Lights. But if you give me a story that involves a screaming baby, my armpits are going to start sweating because of that as a reality that I have lived. In our five stories today, Jesus speaks to a field worker, a woman, commoner, a merchant, and a fishing community. He's telling us that the kingdom of heaven is for everyone. There are no social, socioeconomic, or religious requirements for participation in the reign of God. So since we've just learned that the kingdom of heaven, kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, is for everyone, we are learning that it is like growth from small beginnings. It's about discovering unexpected joy and claiming it. It is joyous fulfillment from searching. It is also relational and present among us. So can we see the reign of God at work today? If the kingdom of heaven is about growth and transformation, then I think it's like holding even a small cardboard sign that stirs the conscience of many to pursue racial reconciliation. If the kingdom of heaven is like discovering unexpected joy, then I think it's like embracing your physical neighbor and committing to quarantine together. If the kingdom of heaven is choosing to give up everything in order to gain your pearl, then I see it in every medical professional that walks through a hospital every day to fulfill their calling of serving others at great cost. If the kingdom of heaven is accepting that we are all in this together, then I see it every time someone wears a mask. Lord, let us have eyes to see your work in the world and to name it and to claim it. Let us go forth and discover all of the colors that you have created. Amen.